0: An uneasy feeling that you are not alone. Don't worry, it's just a ghost. A shout out to Tia Mayhem and Tanya Venom of Stormstress for providing the incredible intro music for this podcast. Welcome to episode 30 of It's Just a Ghost podcast. I am your host Mary Jensen.
1: And I'm your co-host, Perry Jones.
0: So we do have Perry back with us this week, as you can hear. (laughs) So his poison ivy is almost all cleared up, so yay, glad he's doing better. This week, we discussed two vampires of Rhode Island. Mm. Perry and I recently investigated the cemeteries of Sarah tingley Gast, known to be the first vampire of Rhode Island, and the infamous Mercy Brown, the last vampire of Rhode Island. Yeah, we were fortunate enough to get apparitions and orbs in the photos. And we got a couple of EVPs. The photos are on our website. It's just a ghost and also on our Instagram. And then we will play the EVPs for you at the end of this episode.
1: Well, I'm glad to be back, Mary. And yes, I was not feeling well at all. I was feeling pretty lousy, actually, for the last couple months, which I didn't even know about. And I'm really excited to be back because we do have some cool orbs, and we have some cool EVPs, and we've got the Instagram up. Uh, we did go to the two cemeteries, and Sarah Tillinghast was one of 12 children, and she became known as Rhode Island's first vampire. Married to his wife, Anna, Sarah's father stoutly provided for his family by selling apples and peaches from his orchards across Rhode Island and southern Massachusetts. The year was 1799 and the start of the growing season, and Stutley began waking almost every night from horribly vivid nightmares. When asked about these nightmares, he would say that he would be working in orchards and suddenly hear his daughter, Sarah, calling to him. He would begin looking around for her and he had noticed that the apple trees were withering brown and that exactly half of his orchard were dying. These nightmares were relentless and lasted throughout the growing season.
0: Once the growing season was over, 19-year-old Sarah became ill and started taking to her room more and more, only coming out to eat. And soon Sarah was diagnosed with consumption, more commonly known as tuberculosis, and died soon after. Next, her sisters Andrus and Ruth fell ill and claimed to have been visited by the spirit of Sarah several times before they, too, died from the disease.
1: This and Sarah's was- older sister Ham who was living nearby in West Greenwich, also started to complain about visitations from Sarah after she started to spend more time at her family home to support her parents. Hannah also became ill succumbing to death. Soon her mother Honor and her brother Ezra began to see the spirit of Sarah. Honor recovered, but Ezra was too far gone and died. Years later, Stotley and Honor had two more children, making it a total of twelve. Stutley realized that his dream of half of his orchard dying was actually prophetic when half of his children at that time had died. Needless to say, Stutley Tillinghast was beside himself. One of his farmhands, Jeremiah, spoke of a story he had heard of the dead coming back to torment the living, and they were considered vampires.
0: Wow, so I guess there really were, like, real vampires. I mean... Obviously not like they are in the movies and stuff, I don't think. Right. But people that, you know, they back from drank blood the I guess, so that yeah. makes you a vampire.
1: I suppose. That's yeah. what it sounds like. Why not? There's yeah. all
0: sorts of weird things in the world, but so poor Stutley losing half of his children and nearly losing his wife. And now he has to wonder if Sarah has been returning from the grave as a vampire to claim the rest of the family one by one.
1: That's really scary. Time to turn turn, off the lights. (laughs) Turn off the lights. Turn off the lights and get ready for the really bizarre part of this legend.
0: Vampires.
1: Uh Oh, here we go, are you ready?
0: I'm ready. So after learning of this vampire story, Stutley and Jeremiah begin digging up the graves of the Tillingash children. And they begin with Ezra, Hannah, Andrus, and Ruth, and they were all decaying, as you would expect. Now, Sarah was the first to die. However, when they exhumed her casket and opened the cover, she hadn't changed at all.
1: Wow. Her hair and nails were a little longer, but that was it.
0: I had always heard that your nails and hair can continue to grow after death. But upon research, I discovered that actually the skin around your fingernails and toenails as well as the scalp receding can give the illusion that hair and nails have grown longer.
1: I had heard the same thing, Mary, and I also did the research and found that out to be true also. It is also true that Sarah's skin did not recede but that the hair and nails actually were longer. They said their skin looked perfectly normal and not discolored in the least. She looked perfectly healthy, as if she were alive, and her eyes were open.
0: And that is why they believed that she was a vampire?
1: That he, he was part of it, yes. What sealed the deal was the fact that her heart was filled with fresh blood.
0: Her heart was filled with blood? Yes. And how did they determine that, or do I really want to know?
1: Well, suspecting that his daughter was a vampire, Stutley had her chest opened up and found the fresh blood. He had her heart cut out of her chest and burned.
0: God, how awful.
1: That was that was horrible. Ugh. Yes, but back then, that is what they did to suspected vampires. Without a heart, how can they continue to come back for victims? Well,
0: yeah, that makes sense. Only Yes. Only, it is said that her spirit is restless and wanders the cemetery to this day.
1: That's what we have found out during our research on Sarah Tillinghast.
0: Right, and even more so when we learn more about Rhode Island's last vampire,
1: Murphy, uh, Murphy Brown. <laughs> oh, <laughs> i heard of Murphy Brown.
0: I can't believe that actress Candace Bergman's a vampire. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so so what I meant to say is, Mercy Brown.
1: Yes, and Mercy seems to be more widely known and talked about for some reason. I even like Mercy better, and I'm not sure why. I don't know.
0: Oh, yeah, me too.
1: Yeah, I don't know.
0: I I don't know either. I'm not sure why, but I'm more drawn to to that story. I think because I kind of knew, uh, I've heard a lot about Mercy Brown through the years. I'm going to listen to, like, lectures and Mm -hmm. books and i had never really heard of sarah until i started researching mercy brown
1: right and i don't i have also heard of mercy brown too being somewhere buried in rhode island but that's really about all i really recall of her other than that there was Mm -hmm. something supernatural about it and so i was always kind of drawn to her anyways and i wanted to learn more about her
0: yeah well she's definitely more famous and it could be because her story was discovered by Bram Stoker when he read about her in a newspaper back in the 1800s. So that made her more famous anyway.
1: Wait, was Mercy Brown the inspiration for the book Bram Stoker's Dracula?
0: Yeah, that is part of the legend. And I find it interesting that Bram Stoker's Dracula came from a real vampire, or at least from the legend of a real
1: vampire. That's really cool. Mercy Brown's story is very similar to that of Sarah's. So similar, in fact, that they are almost identical.
0: Yes, and because of this, does that make it seem more like it could be all true to you? Or does it send your belief in the opposite direction?
1: I think um, that it makes it seem more plausible, um, being that they are like the first and the last vampires in Rhode Island. It just seems to make sense somehow to me. I don't know why.
0: Yeah, um, like I'm torn with that. I feel like it's plausible because it was, what was it? Almost a hundred years in between them. And then the part of me that is like, well, maybe one is true, but not both. Possibly because people I'm sure they, you know, in the Mercy Brown time, Like, when Mercy was sick and her family and stuff, that maybe people were kind of thinking, because they must have heard the stories of Sarah. Right. So I was wondering if maybe they were thinking and just made the same claim.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know either. but...
0: But it makes for a good story anyway, and I do believe that there could have been vampires, so I'm not sure about them actually coming back. But that could also be true, because we know... For us, sure, or there's such things, spirits and stuff. So,
1: You definitely know that.
0: So why not vampire spirits, yeah, right? Right. So let's talk about the case of Mercy Lena Brown and let you, our listeners, speculate and determine if you believe these legends could be true.
1: Okay, sounds good. Coincidentally, the last known vampire exhumation in New England, that of 19-year-old Mercy Brown, happened in a graveyard a few miles away in the same town as Sarah Tillinghast. The town of Exeter, Rhode Island, a group of otherwise sensible folks are said to have exhumed and mutilated a corpse to kill a vampire. Several members of George and Mary Brown's family suffered a sequence of tuberculosis infections in the final two decades of the 19th century. Tuberculosis was called consumption at the time and was a devastating and much feared disease. The mother, Mary Eliza, was the first to die of the disease, followed in 1886 by their oldest daughter, Mary Olive. In 1891, daughter Mercy died, and then the son, Edwin, also contracted the disease. Friends and neighbors of the family believed that one of the dead family members was a vampire and had caused Edwin's illness. This suspicion was due in part to the century-old story of Sarah Killinghast
0: and George was soon persuaded to give permission to have the members of his family exhumed. On March 17, 1892, villagers and the local doctor exhumed the bodies of both Mary and Mary Olive, only to find them decomposed as they should have been. Because the ground was frozen in the time of Mercy's death, she was placed in a crypt in the cemetery until the ground thawed. It is unclear whether Mercy had been buried by the time the exhumations took place. No matter, Mercy exhibited no sign of decomposition.
1: Could that happen because she had been frozen all winter in the crypt?
0: Good point, Perry, and a lot of people thought that. As superstition dictated, Mercy's heart and liver were burned, and the ashes were mixed with water to create a tonic that was given to the sick Edwin to drink, as an effort to resolve his illness and stop the influence of the undead. The young man died two months later. What remained of Mercy's body was buried in the cemetery of the Baptist Church, Exeter, after being desecrated.
1: Okay, i got to ask you this. Would you drink someone's heart and whatever? I no, don't think so. Not at all. So you can see there are a lot of similarities to these two legends.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I find it interesting that even the age of the girls was the same.
1: It's very similar. And the cemeteries only a few miles away from each other.
0: Yeah, and you know what? We found both of them with no problem. But Sarah's would have been easy to miss, so thankfully we did some research to find the exact locations.
1: You did a good job with that, Mary. And Mercy's grave exists to this day in Chestnut Hill Cemetery, a small graveyard behind a tiny white Baptist church, off of Kenrod Road, just a couple of miles from I ninety five. A path goes directly through the center of the cemetery. About halfway down, Rich, and on the left is the Brown family plot beneath an evergreen tree.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, it is about halfway down, but it's actually, isn't it the first graves, the first um, gravestones on the left? Um, because it's quite a long dirt road before you actually get to, you know, the cemetery itself.
1: Yeah, I don't remember just the first gravestones, but it was really, really easy to find. There was the only one right there under the tree in the front.
0: yeah. And right across from her family's burials, there's another dirt road that goes to the right. And if you go all the way down that dirt road, you will see um, the crypt where they kept mercy. And you can see pictures of that, too, on all our social media. So to find Sarah's grave, go to 30 Forest Hill Drive, indicated by a brick marker with a mailbox. Directly across the street, a small gap in the curbing of the road is the only indication of the entrance to the hidden cemetery. Walk up a small incline, and hidden in the woods is a stone wall with a sign that reads, Rhode Island's Historical Cemetery, Exeter 14. The cemetery is small, measuring 50 square feet, and contains only 25 burials. And here is where Sarah and her family are buried.
1: We don't know if the vampire legends are true. But we do know that the Chestnut Hill Cemetery, where Mercy's buried, is haunted.
0: Oh, without a doubt. We have several photos with orbs of all shapes, sizes, and colors. And all of those can be seen on our website. Again, it's it's just a ghostpodcast.com, As well as on our Instagram, we'll post the photos on there. And we also got a few EVPs, which we'll play at the end of the episode.
1: It's funny, too, that most of the orbs we got were... Not anywhere near Mercy's grave, or the vault the legend says she was kept in.
0: Right, although the ones we did capture over near Mercy and her family's stone were two huge white, grayish orbs with a dot on each, making them look like eyes. And we got these same two orbs in a few pictures, all near the Brown's graves.
1: We also got purple orbs, white streaks and orbs, and multicolored orbs a little further down in the cemetery. Those were mostly in the same area. They were all taken in that direction from the area of Mercy's grave.
0: And some of those were huge too. And a couple of them looked like they were coming down from above the headstone and leading to the stone itself. Or maybe they were coming up from the headstone into the air. You need to check those out and you'll understand better what we're trying to say. We have ever only gotten white or clear orbs in the past, like at other haunted locations. The purple and multicolored orbs got me to thinking that there must be some significance in what different colored orbs could be or mean. I did some research and here is what I came up with. If they are paranormal, the color of the orbs may relate to energy colors, so you can find the meaning in the colors associated with various types of energy. And there are many theories about what different orb colors mean with many colors potentially meaning a variety of things.
1: We'll just discuss the purple, whitest gray, multicolored, and clear meanings for now, as those are what we captured during this investigation. Keep in mind that there have been, in our, many interpretations in the paranormal world on what the specific colors of orbs might mean.
0: Yes, and I did quite a bit of poking around on the subject, and the meaning for each interpretation I came across had the same basic meaning.
1: The purple orbs we photographed could fall into any one of the three descriptions following. It is hard to tell exactly the shade of the orbs we captured, so it is up for debate. I'll mention all and you can speculate on those in accordance with the photos. For violet purple, the solid color, this means that this was once a human and their angel is nearby. This could be your loved one paying you a visit. Violet purple with a white outline. Your guardian angels are nearby. They are non-human angels that pop up when you are in need. Deep purple. This energy resembles loyalty. You'll see these orbs pop up if a loved one loves you so much, one of them is thinking about you from a distance, or you can tell when someone cares about you.
0: Wow. So no matter what shade of purple, that sounds like good energy. So, because we did get some pretty big purple orbs, that does sound to like good to know that was good energy. Because I didn't feel any bad energy there. Did you?
1: No, I didn't either. Um, it felt actually kind of nice in some spots.
0: <laughs> yeah, it wasn't creepy at all. And we actually ran into a woman that was walking in there with her dog, and she said the same thing, and mm-hmm. she lived nearby. And um, she was talking about Mercy Brown. And remember she said that her nephew came to visit, and mm-hmm. he didn't believe in the story at all. And he's like, yeah, whatever. And he brought, she brought him to the cemetery, but you know hoping to see an apparition and stuff because people have and they didn't see anything so he's like see he told you it wasn't true and right. they went back to her house and there was a bat in her house
1: yeah
0: <laughs> and she was she said she said to him see there you go right. she's a vampire now there's a bat in the house and she had never seen a bat ever near her property yeah let alone in her house, and she's been living there quite a few years. Right. Coincidence? Coincidence? I don't know. Yeah, It's pretty cool, though. So then, red or orange orbs. And we got both of these colors as part of the multicolored orbs. From a spiritual perspective, red and orange colors are associated with safety and security, as well as a sense of belonging. And while these warm colors are often associated with strong emotions, such as anger and passion, This may not be the case when it comes to a ghost orb. Some paranormal investigators believe a red or orange orb is a sign that an entity has assumed the role of a protector. (laughs) This could be someone who is charged in life to keep watch or be a caretaker.
1: Gray or smoky orbs. Gray may indicate depression or spiritual lack, or it may represent fear or ambivalence. If you see an orb that's this color... It may indicate the presence of a depressed spiritual entity or an entity lacking in spiritual awareness. Smoke, like the color gray, may indicate confusion or trouble.
0: So, would you call those big orbs that we say look like eyes kind of gray or smoky looking? They weren't really silver or white.
1: Yeah, sort of grayish, white maybe, and... Definitely smoky,
0: though. (laughs) Yeah, and those we saw most, well, we saw them on the tree right near Mercy's family's graves. Right. Um, And, you know, I would think that if Mercy is there, her spirit is there, yeah, she may feel, you know, a little depressed and stuff. I mean, wouldn't you, if you were accused of a vampire and had your heart cut out and burned? So that would make sense. That would make sense. As far as that one goes. Mm -hmm. White or silver orbs are associated with spirituality and connection with a higher source. And some investigators believe orbs that are either white or silver in appearance are an indication that a spirit is trapped on this plane. And it may also be a sign that the spirit is there to offer protection to the people in the area and white energy is typically perceived as highly positive in nature.
1: Clear orbs may be a sign an entity is trying to communicate with you. The spirit may be trying to let the living know that some kind of significant event happened at that location and that the spirit wants help to move on.
0: Hmm. I don't know if we really saw any clear orbs here. There must be some that I thought might have been clear because I added this in. Mm -hmm. so um but the white ones i know like mostly we only because we've gotten orbs before and i think they're always white
1: they've always been white that i can recall
0: yeah i mean knock on wood we've never gotten anything any black ones because i think those are probably bad
1: yeah i don't think i would like to see a black orb.
0: yeah hopefully we never will So, wow. And we captured all of these, I think. I'm not sure about the clear one, but we captured most of these in the Chestnut Hill Cemetery in Exeter, Rhode Island on the same investigation. And some of them were near Mercy and her family's graves, but most of them were further down in the cemetery. Mm -hmm. And I think we did get one like near the crypt too. Mm -hmm. There was one near there. So, based on the meaning of these orbs, I strongly believe there are spirits here that were desperately trying to communicate with us
1: the thing is we are not able to see the orbs no matter the size or color with the naked eye we don't even know we have captured anything until we are able to download the pictures on the computer then there they are how could we not see them while they were there in person
0: i know especially the giant purple ones we got and that is what is so fascinating about it all and not to mention the evps we got and same thing, we can't hear the spirits with the naked ear. And we only hear them trying to communicate when we get home and play the recordings. But that's an EVP because I learned something. Mm-hmm. Um, so EVPs are what I just said. Right. You can't hear it, but once you play back the recording, you can hear it. And then there's this, it's called an AVP, AVP. which I'm finding out you can actually hear while you're there, but it won't record. So remember when we were at the Belchertown State School and we heard whispers coming from that window right. in one of the buildings, and we didn't hear that on the recorder. Right. But we got a ton of other stuff on the recorder that we did not hear in person.
1: So the ones we could hear were the AVP,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the ones we couldn't hear, what that recorded were the EVP.
0: Yeah. And also that little tapping on that on that um, stone wall. Yeah. Or the brick wall. at the school too we could hear it plain as day although it was very light Mm -hmm. and we held the recorder right near that wall and the recorder didn't pick it up so that makes sense
1: yeah i suppose it does
0: so we kind of learned you know something Ah, new
1: yeah that's something new so there was no way that we could have known that they were trying to communicate with us while we were there
0: exactly and i think we need to go back there and soon because i feel like at least one spirit was trying to ask for help and trying to cross over and like they have unfinished business or need to give a message to someone or something.
1: I agree. But how are you going to be able to communicate with them when we go back since we can't hear or see anything in real time?
0: Well, we need to have a medium go with us. There you go. And I have a couple in mind that might be interested. And I actually did talk to um, him last night. And it's uh, Gary McKinstry. He nice. is a medium, a psychic medium. And he's been doing this for a long time. And I went to one of his shows last night and I spoke with him. And also, this was called Spirit Meets Science. So he did his thing, you know, with um, uh, talking with the spirits and communicating what they said to him, to their loved ones that were at the show. And then also there was Tom D'Agostino was there, which I interviewed him um, for the pilot episode of this podcast if you're interested in hearing that but he is um a paranormal investigator and he's been doing investigations for over 30 35 years so he's done a ton of them and he was there with his evp as well as a spirit box and so he picked up some things on on the spirit box and so when you use a spirit box you can hear in real time right. and they sound more like humans yeah Whereas, like, the recorders that we use, and he knows how to explain it better, and actually I will be interviewing him very soon, and he can explain all that to you. But so I talked with both of them last night, and they're both very excited to go with us at some point to do another investigation. It will probably be a while, um, because they're both very busy, and so we need to try to figure out a date when everybody is able to go at the same time so I'm not sure when that'll be but it will happen at some point and I will let everyone know when we figure that out
1: great that's excellent I love that now let's get to the EVPs we got on this investigation
0: yeah we got two EVPs from the cemetery Sarah is in and then one near Mercy's grave and one near the church next to Mercy's cemetery and it is said that an apparition of a young child has been seen wandering around the church so here is the first EVP from Sarah's Cemetery. Is there any other spirits here today besides Sarah? If there are, can you tell me your name?
1: Here is the second EVP from
0: Sarah's Cemetery. You gotta go now. Is there anything you want to say to us before we leave? And here is the EVP when I was standing right in front of Mercy's grave.
1: I think she wants to say something.
0: Who?
1: Mercy. Why? I just got that real
0: Mercy, are you here? You can talk to us, you know. Well, were you a vampire?
1: And here is the EVP from near the church.
0: And we only captured spirits and photos taken at the Chestnut Hill Cemetery where Mercy is buried. But I think it's cool that we got EVPs from each of the locations on this investigation.
1: That is really cool.
0: We just listened to the EVPs, too, before we started doing this episode. And I can't really make out what any of them are trying to say.
1: No, actually. I can't either. They're too unclear or too indistinct for me to understand.
0: First EVP at Sarah's location that you just heard. What you hear is a man's voice, and it's kind of soft. We can't tell what he's saying, and it sounds slightly like Perry, but I don't think it was him because I remember where I was stand- exactly where I was standing when I asked the spirits these questions, and Perry was actually a ways away from me. He was like, down a different path actually and even if he was talking loud I mean you can tell that whoever it was was close to me but talking softly so I don't think it was Perry I mean I could be wrong but
1: yeah it does sound like me but I have to agree with you Mary I don't think it was me I think I was about 30 feet away at the time and I don't think I was saying anything at that moment
0: oh maybe a doppelganger was there
1: Oh, I don't even want to think about that. Oh, yeah. yeah,
0: doppelgangers are creepy, and we should talk about them some other time. But
1: uh, I've seen one once.
0: You're a your doppelganger?
1: hmm
0: Where'd you see that?
1: By my house, of course.
0: Oh, of course. Right. You saw yourself. Now, did you get to talk to yourself?
1: No, I was standing in front of my car and I was driving out of the street, and I crossed the car.
0: Because you saw him walking on the street? Or...
1: I was walking right in the middle of the street, and I had oh, to swerve. crashed into the stone walls
0: my god you never told me that one that's because you have so many how can you possibly remember them all Mm -hmm. wow that i don't even know what to say that is so freaky
1: it is freaky that's that was that was probably one of the most scariest ones i have to see yourself walking towards your own car as you're going down the street that is bizarre
0: right so either it could have been a your doppelganger which I have to—I honestly, I'm not that educated about doppelgangers yet. But I believe they're in the same um, time as you. They're not in a different dimension or anything. If I—if I know what I'm talking about, I'm not sure. That's why we'll have to learn more yeah. about doppelgangers.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't remember what a doppelganger is anymore, or what they're supposed well, to be, except that they look like you, and maybe they are you or something. I don't know.
0: Well, yeah, they remember. look like you, but it's a separate. This is what I do know: that they look like you, and that they're a separate entity. Yes. And they usually they they're usually evil.
1: Right, and this did feel evil. <laughs> the yeah. one I saw did feel evil.
0: Because I've listened to a lot of other podcasts that do know a lot about doppelgangers and and um. Yeah, they were saying that, because a lot of people will see a doppelganger, not even of themselves, but of someone they know. Mm-hmm. And of course, they think it's like, okay, say I saw someone that looked like my sister, and you know, I think it's her because it it's an exact replica. And all of a sudden, she's like acting totally different, you mm-hmm. know, and being like really mean or very strange acting. And I guess they're, you know, they don't they we they move kind of weird and everything, and. So that, you know, I've heard about people that have seen that and then they're like, you know, what's going on with you, Sarah, you know, Joan or whatever your sister's name is. And then they'll go in the other room and their real sister will be sitting on the couch or something like that. Right. And then they're like, um, "Will you just like, did I just pass you in the hallway upstairs? Mm -hmm. I know I've been sitting here watching a movie for an Mm -hmm. hour, you know. So, but so that is what we got right now for the, you know, the first and last vampires of Rhode Island. And so you can find all of the pictures on our website at itsjustaghostpodcast.com or check them out on Instagram. We just, you know, figured out how to use that and got that account going. So all those pictures will be up, too, on there. And that's It's Just a Ghost Podcast. And then you can also follow us on Twitter, and that is at It's just a ghost, too, and that's just the number two. Thank you, Perry, for being my co-ghost, as as usual, and I'm looking forward to the next investigation.
1: Yeah, me too. It's going to be really exciting and a lot of fun, and thank you, Mary. You've done a lot of research, and I really, really appreciate all the work you've been doing. This is awesome.
0: Thanks. It's so much fun. It is fun. It's like I look forward to it all the time. Me too. All right. We'll see you soon, Perry, then. Bye, Mary. Bye. Bye. As always, please email us your paranormal experiences to it's just a ghost podcast at yahoo.com and we will read them on an upcoming episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please follow and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can help us grow and get our name out there by telling your friends about us, and we would be thrilled if you would leave us five stars. This helps people find us out there in the sea of podcasts. It's all free, so why not, right? You can follow us on Facebook at It's Just a Ghost Podcast and on Twitter at It's Just a Ghost Too. That's the number two. And also on Instagram at It's Just a Ghost Podcast. Remember, ghosts are people too. Until next time.